0: So, we're going to continue talking about the family church values this morning, and we're now on to part six. So, we've been talking a lot about, about culture, about a church culture, and just culture generally, that everything has a culture, and as a church we have a culture, and then we, we, we intentionally have a defined culture. Of what we desire um, as pastors, what we desire church to look like. I believe these are these are kingdom principles, they're biblical principles, not just things that we've just come up with and think, well, that's a nice value. <laughs> these are kingdom and biblical uh, principles. And we talked about different things. We talked about family churches, kind of three key aims to, to reach people, to grow people, to empower people. We talked last week about empowering, that we that that's our heart's desire as pastors to in, empower people. We looked at Ephesians 4, 1, and where it says he gave, Jesus gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors, and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministries. That's our responsibility as pastors and other church leaders to equip you. You know, God wants you to be equipped. The devil would love you to be you know, disempowered and to re- remove all your uh, kind of the, the tools and things that God would want to give you for you to be unequipped. But God's heart is, is to equip you amen to, to empower you to have all that you need um for life amen but if you missed last week so i encourage you to catch up on it you can find it on the website spotify familyships waterside on spotify and great catch up on it great stuff so the value we're talking about today is that we are spiritual we are spirit. It's good that we're spirituals it? <laughs> now. It's a good it's a good thing. Remember, remember these things that we're going through, apart from Christ centered, which we did first, these aren't in order of importance. And some of these aren't in the order that, you know, the order they're on the website either. We'll be doing them different orders and some other people are going to be speaking in a few weeks' time on different values. Okay? So they won't necessarily be in the in the order. Okay. But remember they're not in order of importance anyway. But obviously we are spiritual is incredibly important, as is every single one here. So we are spiritual. We, we acknowledge the ministry of the Holy Spirit being filled, empowered, and led daily. Being filled, empowered, and led daily. So we are, we are, we are spiritual people. You know, you're not a carnal person. You're not a normal person, if you're a believer this morning. <laughs> There's a lot you can say to that. No, but we are not normal people. What I mean is we, we're spiritually, we have come alive. If you're a believer this morning, the Holy Spirit has, has kind of woken you up spiritually, has come to reside into you. God has made you has, God has made you holy and just and righteous all through the cross. You know, the Holy Spirit couldn't live in a dirty vessel. That's just, just that's total would be totally incompatible. So God has to do all the cleaning up. That's why it has to be all the onus has to be on God to do all the cleaning. If we were trying to do it on our own our own strength, we could never make ourselves clean enough, holy enough for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us. That makes sense. So it has to be everything that God has done, has made us holy and righteous. In his sight because of the cross we 've just accepted it, made us cleaned us up spiritually, and the Holy Spirit can come and dwell dwell within us amen you know and we need the Holy Spirit now the Holy Spirit sometimes is there could be confusion about the Holy Spirit, and there can sometimes be the Holy Spirit is one of those kind of parts of the Trinity that's just not talked about as much. And you know, people are kind of okay with, well, I understand that's God the Father, that's that's okay, he understands my Father is a good, good Father, we've talked about that just a second ago, and I understand Jesus about, uh, you know, God in, in human form, or the Son of God is described as the Son of God, and the Son of Man is God's perfect man, and man's man's perfect God on, on, on earth, in human form, and, and showed us how to live, and then died on, at the age of 30, started his ministry in 33, he died, and died, and was rose again, amen, and... Uh, by faith in that, that we're now justified and made holy and, and righteous. He, he paid the sin, he paid a price for all our sin, paid a monumental price for being bought at a price, Scripture says. So we're kind of like, we're kind of all good with that. And then the Holy Spirit is kind of like, well, I don't really know what to make of this. <laughs> uh, pastor, pastor Andy, our senior pastor, he often describes it as, sometimes people's relationship with, with the Holy Spirit, he's a bit like the weird uncle that no one ever talks about. In every family you have a weird uncle, don't you? Maybe just in my family, I don't know or some odd or some odd relative that no one really wants to talk about <laughs> you don't need to start imagining who they are in your life and and sometimes that's how people treat treat the holy spirit you know i understand god the father i understand god the son and it's kind of the holy spirit is kind of like the weird uncle this weird relative we don't really understand him we don't really understand what he does it's all a bit it's all a bit mysterious and, and it's all a bit odd and and no god doesn't want us to be like that amen To understand the Trinity of who God is. He's God the Father, he's God the Son, and he's God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside us. And we need the Holy Spirit. We need to understand how the Holy Spirit works, what his purpose is, and what he desires to do in your life. Ephesians 3 verse 16, the Amplified, says this. Paul writes, May he grant you, out of the riches of his glory, to be strengthened and spiritually energized with power through his Spirit in your inner self dwelling your innermost being and personality. Amen? So so the job of the Holy Spirit is to strengthen you and to energize you, to, 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 to give you power for life, for all that you need for life. Romans 8.14 8, 14 says, For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Amen? Ephesians 5.18, there's loads of scripture we can look at. It says, Do not get drunk on wine. You can stop there. There's a, a message in itself. Okay? Great advice. <laughs> For a Christian, do you want to get drunk and wine, which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the Spirit If you're going to fill yourself with anything, fill yourself with the Holy Spirit. amen that's what we are you to do there in Ephesians 5:18. So the Holy Spirit is incredibly important and it's just as important as God the Father and, 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 and God the Son. They're all part of, of the Godhead, you know what we describe, describe as the Trinity and, and who, God, who God is. Amen. So the Holy Spirit wants to outwork in your life. The Holy Spirit wants to operate. In your life. He wants he wants to equip you, he wants to empower you, he wants to use you for his purposes, and he also wants to change you. So there's kind of two elements of being spiritual I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm going to talk about the fruit of the spirit and I'm going to talk about the gifts of the spirit. The kind of the two main thrusts of what the Holy Spirit does. We're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Okay, so the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this is what the Holy Spirit desires to do in you. Galatians 5, verse 19 to 25 says this, well-known passage. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. So Paul basically just writes that here. This is, this is what sinful nature looks like. This is basically a description of the world, right? When you follow desires of a sinful nature, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarrelling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. That's like going on, going on Twitter or Instagram, isn't it? These days, <laughs> that's basically what you'll see. Anyway, let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living out that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's, that's kind of like... Well, oh dear, that's, that's not good. But then this becomes the great news. Amen for us as believers. This is, this is how we deal with it. But the Holy Spirit, who lives within us, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and the desires of a sinful nature to the cross and crucified them there. Since while living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives, what a great passage of scripture! And you see that the, the, the huge contrast there that, that Paul lays out very articulately. About here's what the fruit of the sinful nature is: like our pre-Christian form, and this is the way the way the world operates. Here's all the fruit of the sinful nature: quarrelling and jealousy, outbursts of anger, sexual morality, selfishness, etc., etc. And that's kind of very much a description of of where our world is right now. And then contrast that with the fruit of the Spirit for those of us as believers. And, and lays out what the fruit of the Spirit looks like, which is totally different. It's like diametrically opposed, totally the opposite of, of the way the world is and, and the, the way the sinful nature, you know, or the fruit of the sinful nature. Amen? You know, so God wants to change you, and, and, and we're encouraged there to live subject to the Spirit. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of a sinful nature to His cross, to to the cross, and crucified them there. So, we, we hopefully we all understand this as believers. Through what Jesus did on the cross, our, our sinful nature has been dealt with. We no longer have a sinful nature. Now, that doesn't mean to say when you're a Christian you'll never ever sin ever again. None of us going to be perfect, but the actual, your actual nature to sin has been is is dead. It's gone. I hope everyone knows that. It's really, really important to understand your identity in Christ in, in that way because you'll you know, have a totally different view of sin and temptation when you understand that principle that your sinful nature has been dealt with. It was nailed to the cross. Jesus dealt with it once and for all. Your nature is not, not to sin. You know how you know have a godly nature. Will you still be tempted? Yes. May you still mess up? Yes. But do, is your nature to sin in the same way that it was in your pre-Christian days? Absolutely not. Your nature is completely different. You now have the nature of God inside you. Amen? So God wants us to live subject to, to the Spirit. I often talk about this, about deciding who is the boss in your life, and are we going to be run by our soul, which is our mind, our will, and emotions, which are terrible masters, and, if, and you won't make good decisions in life if, you, if you're run emotionally or if you're just making soulish decisions. But if you want to make great decisions for God, which I'm sure you all do, and, and to live godly lives, then the key to that is living subject to the Spirit. And making your soul subject to the spirit. And I've said this before and said again, you know, just the fact you're in church, you've made a great decision. This morning, you've made you've 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 you may not have even thought about it in this way or been intentional about thinking about it in this way, but this is the reality of what you've done. You you, you could have made a soulish decision to stay in bed, or you can make a spiritual decision to come to church, right? So you're here, so you already this morning, you've made your soul subject to your spirit. So that's just a simple example of that. And if you want to be a successful Christian, the key to that is to keep doing that over and over and over and over again. Making your soul subject to the Spirit. So, so Paul here, he lays out what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. Says, remember, God wants, us to be, God wants us to be fruitful in life. God wants to change us. So here he lays out, and these are one fruit. They're not nine fruit. It's really important that we don't misunderstand that as well. Because, because if, we, if we misunderstand that, we can kind of think this is like a pick and choose, like a pick and mix. Anyone like, anyone like pick and mix sweets? I remember Woolworths. I only have in Tesco now. But I remember Woolworths. What a legendary shop Woolworths was. It was, ama- it was amazing, wasn't it? I can see the generational divide here. Some of you love like, what in, the world, what in the world is Woolworths? Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Woolworths is an amazing shop. They sold all sorts of, sold everything, didn't they? Um, including pick and mix. So I think Tesco's going to got pick and mix and probably other supermarkets. Or you can get them at the cinema if you want to remortgage your house. <laughs> you have to buy the pick and mix <laughs> when you go and watch a movie. It's more expensive than the cinema tickets and it's crazy. Anyway. So, But this is really important to understand about, about these, nine, these are nine segments of one fruit. If you think of it almost like an orange, you know, where you've got different segments that make up one fruit. These, these are all one fruit. It's really important to understand that. Because otherwise we can think, well, yeah, well, yeah I'm, I'm kind of, I'm okay with having joy in my life, but I'm definitely not okay with having self-control in my life. You know, these, these are not things you can pick and choose or pick and mix. Well, I like that one, but that one's too difficult. These are all things, all of these nine God wants to produce in your life. And they're not in order of importance either, other than, other than I probably would say love, because obviously love binds everything together. 1 Corinthians 13, makes where Paul talks his great discourse on love, um, makes it clear that everything stems, stems from love, as it does with God himself, and everything stems from the fact that God is love. So love, I would say, is the most important of those, um, but other than that, they're not, they're not listed in order of importance. They're, they're all crucial in a life. Of a believer, and and they're a great description of Jesus, aren't they? This is this, this is how Jesus operated. This is how Jesus was able to do what he did. That had the ministry that he had, was because his his soul was always subject to the Spirit, the Holy Spirit that was within him. was He was always subject subject to that, and he allowed that to be victorious um, in his life. So even when people let him down, when people messed up, when people crucified him, when people you know when people just uh, you know abandoned him, when people like Peter denied him, and you know, all sorts of stuff that was going on. Jesus knew what was in people's, people's hearts, but Jesus always operated in love and an incredible joy. You know, even about the cross itself, and all Jesus knew what the, joy, what the cross was going to entail on a physical, on a spiritual, and an emotional level. Jesus knew what was, Jesus knew what was coming with the cross, but it, even Scripture says about that, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So even in that, he had joy. Even on the cross itself, Jesus could say, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And there he was being, you know, totally unjustly. We know, of course, it was all part of God's plan. But it wasn't, it wasn't, there was no justice in it all, right? Even Pontius Pilate knew full well that Jesus was innocent, but still sent him to his death. So even in that, Jesus was able, able to operate in joy and in total peace. You know, all his disciples were, were, were freaking out, weren't they? Like, Jesus, what, what are you doing? Why are they arresting you? Should we come with swords and, swords and clubs? And Jesus had total peace in the whole thing, totally in control whole things like, do you not think I could call 10,000 legions of angels who could just come and rescue me right now? It's like, this is, people aren't controlling this situation. I'm totally in control here. So he yeah, had total, total self-control. He, he never reacted in anger. Sometimes he had righteous anger, like when he turned the tables over and stuff, but never with an angry spirit in any way. He was always gentle was totally faithful was always was good was, was, was always was always kind would always re- reach out to people always had compassion for people always had empathy for people would talk to people that other people would never talk to he's, he's the, he blew his disciples mind you know, when they saw him talking to a Samaritan Samaritan woman it's like why are you talking to a woman and why are you talking to a Samaritan like two things you just, just do not do uh, as a man just go up to kind of woman, just kind of like to start a conversation and, and Samaritans, Jews and Samaritans hated each other so when Jesus like, spoke to the Samaritan women at the well it totally blew disciples' minds as to, as to, as to what was going on Right? But that was Jesus' heart of empathy and compassion. You know the woman with the issue of blood, who Jesus reached, uh, who reached out to Jesus, and they were in a massive crowd. And and Jesus, like, who, who he knew that you know he knew that healing power had left him, and his disciples again didn't get it. Jesus, just, like, well, who, who's touched me? And, and the disciples, like, what do you mean who's touched you? There's like there's thousands of people here. But, but Jesus had compassion and empathy, you know, for that one woman He was always interested in the one. Jesus talks about it, doesn't he, about the, the parable of the lost sheep and how the shepherd will leave in 99 and go and find the one. That was very much Jesus' Jesus's heart. So this is a great description of Jesus. If you want to describe the character of Jesus, you might you just read the fruit of the Spirit. That is the character of Jesus, summed up. But that's because he, his life was totally subject to the Spirit. And that's the way God wants you to operate in life. Amen? To be full of love. Full of joy, full of peace. Now Miriam just 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 talked about peace. Where is Miriam? No, Miriam. just talked about peace. You know, peace. Even, this is not some peace that's kind of, um, you know, based on circumstances. This can be peace despite circumstances. You know, and we saw this with, same same with David and Stacey with all they were dealing with, and, and have dealt with up to this point, kind of health health wise. Just and people just couldn't get their head around, could they? You had peace in it all, and and Miriam was saying the same. about her, her mum just couldn't get her head around because they those relatives are coming at from a non-christian point of view and not understanding it it's a supernatural peace the bible talks about a peace that passes all understanding it's not sort of some kind of natural natural peace i'm just going to go off into my room or going to i don't know get some smoke yeah it's not smoke so, get some joss, <laughs> I don't know where I was going to get some jos you know kind of like go and meditate in a corner somewhere or go out in a new forest somewhere, in the middle of nowhere and kind of like try and find some inner inner peace in peace i'm going to a retreat to a little island in the middle of nowhere and, and find some peace Okay, great. If you want to go down that road, but if you want, you're not going to find supernatural peace. So it might be a natural, very natural peaceful place. Great, but are you going to find supernatural peace? Absolutely not. It's it's not based on based on circumstances. It's something that God imparts, and that's true of all these aspects of the fruit. Is is something that you know patience. You know, we live in a very very impatient world, where everything's everything's you know everything wants everybody wants everything done done kind of yesterday. Um, you know the internet has just kind of exacerbated that hugely but you know patience is is incredibly important amen to a patient person and and faithful and gentle self-control you know we live in a world that has no self-control you know it's over and over again we see people who've who've made decisions and 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 not judging what the world does but this is just a reality and they will say well well i couldn't help myself of course you could help yourself it's like, is someone else controlling you? Are you a robot? I don't think so. The last time I looked, you weren't a robot. So were you able to make a decision in that situation? Well, absolutely. So, um, you know, when people say they just couldn't help themselves, they couldn't, uh, and I know addictions and all those kind of things are incredibly powerful things. When people are addicted, it's, they need the power of God to set them free. Amen? So I'm not like belittling, you know, all kind of addictive um, you know, situations. But God wants us to have self-control. Amen? To make great decisions. And Jesus, again, just, just operated in that over and over again. So God wants to make you more Christ-like. Remember, that's his, that's his goal in life, ultimately, is to make you more Christ-like. The fruit of the Spirit is key in that. So let's, let's move on. The gifts of the Spirit. Acts 1, verse 8. Luke writes this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my, well it's Jesus, he's quoting Jesus, but Luke wrote it, but you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So when we talked about we are commissioned, about having a heart for loss, we, we kind of broke this all down, this verse, about what, what is our Jerusalem, what is our Judea, Samaria, what are the ends of the earth, what, is, what does that look like? But it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You know, God wants us, you know, we're, we're a Pentecostal church. And that means if we believe in the outworking of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't mean we're you know, separate to other churches, because loads of churches believe in this, but we would describe ourselves as a Pentecostal church. We believe in the outworking of the Holy Spirit and the power that that, that, that comes from that. Amen? That we can operate in this, the authority of Jesus. Amen? And, and Paul writes... Um, in his letters to the church in Corinth and 1 Corinthians, and it talks about the gifts of the Spirit. And these, these, are, these are spiritual gifts, and gifts that God desires to give us and, and to work in. And this isn't even just for church leaders. I think it's really, really important to talk about that. These are, things gifts that church leaders often operate in. But it doesn't, the Bible doesn't say these are just for church leaders. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1 to 11. So let's read these 11 verses. Paul writes, Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced infants and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus, Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So it's only the Holy Spirit that can change us and save us. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them in, and in everyone, it's the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of the one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Amen? So so Paul here writes about these, these nine different gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, these are all, and again, this can, this can be one of these things where you kind of think, well, this is all just a bit mysterious. I don't quite understand it. So, but let's talk about this stuff, because we, we do need to understand it. Amen? If we're going to operate in, in in the power that the Holy Spirit is, is, was put in us for, the purpose of why he's in us, then we need to understand this stuff. Amen? So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, which we just read the fourth verse. There are different kinds of spirit, but it's the same spirit that distributes them. And and, you know, the Greek word that's kind of used there for, for gifts is the Greek word charisma. It's where we get the word charisma from. The Greek word is charisma, therefore the word gifts. But it literally means grace given. So these are gifts of grace. They're, they're gifts of God. And grace means unmerited favors. So it's, it's, it's not something we've earned. They're not something that you have to meet some kind of like magical standard in order to, to inherit these gifts. Okay, these are things that we should ask God for. Amen. And you can kind of, and this could this would be a whole another teaching. You know, you could do a whole series on just this, this, this teaching. So I we'll have to just kind of skim over it um, at the moment. But you can break those down into kind of three different areas of gifts. What are often described as the revelation gifts. So that's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. No, a word, word of wisdom is when we, when we ask God to give us wisdom to speak into, into a certain situation or maybe just wisdom for your own life in a certain situation. Myself and Wendy, we often, we often pray that before we meet with with, with with people pastorally, where especially when it's a really, really difficult situation um, that we're having to help help people with. Is we, we just need God's wisdom in that situation. I don't want to do it in my own strength. I mean, I think God has given me some natural wisdom. I think God gives all of us some natural wisdom, and that's great, awesome, brilliant. But it's nothing compared to the Holy Spirit's wisdom. Amen. It can see right into a situation. This is, why, this is why Jesus was so brilliant at dealing with people, because he could see right into their hearts. He knew everything that was going on. When the Pharisees and the religious leaders were always trying to trap, trap him, he could see straight into their hearts. He knew exactly what was going on. There was no confusion in his heart. He, he wasn't just working things out. Well, I wonder if they're kind of a bit like this, uh, being a bit of a psych, you know, psychologist trying to work people out. No, it's the Holy Spirit working within him. Amen. It would give him insight into what was going on. Jesus knew their hearts, and that's why he gave brilliant answers every time, because he knew they were trying to trap him. There's right? a woman at the wells we talked about just a minute ago, and, and you know, Jesus asks her to go and find her husband. And she's like, I have no husband. And she said, yeah, you're right, you've had loads of husbands, and the man you live with right now is not your husband. And she's like, oh, okay, <laughs> this guy's obviously a prophet or something. Um, and she has a real revelation of who Jesus is. But, you know, but that, that's an example of a word of wisdom, right? Or even, a, or even a word of knowledge. I think these two could very much kind of, kind of go together. A word of knowledge we often describe, like, like the woman at the well there, or where someone is, is aware of you know, someone's situation. So I believe God's telling me that you know, someone's, someone's back and healing. You know, that would be an example of a word of knowledge, where God reveals something. So we can, we can pray for a situation. Amen. The discerning of spirits, so as we finish off the revelation gifts, discerning of spirits is, is understanding where people spiritually are at and understanding what's going on in this world. We live in a spiritual world, and the world doesn't understand this, and, and I get that. The, but we live in a spiritual world. You know, the Bible, sees, what, Bible says what is unseen is more real yeah, you know, than what is seen. We, live in a, we never need to fear that, but we do live in a spiritual world. And, you see, in, and in this world, you get people who are seeking stuff, they're trying to, trying to explore stuff, people get into paganism and witchcraft and Ouija boards, and, and all that kind of trying to talk to the dead, and even, even our own area. But like there's there's always medium stuff, clairvoyant stuff going on around here, even in Hive Dibner Parish Hall, there's always stuff going on there where people try and try and connect with their you know, their dead relatives and all all that kind of stuff and in the youth club in Hythe stuff stuff always going on. And and we live in an area of the New Forest where there's a lot of witchcraft as well, especially around and if you know that area, but, but across the New Forest, um, there's a lot of witchcraft and stuff, paganism going going on. Now the spiritual world is very, very real. And, and as Christians, we need to have our eyes open about that. We don't ever fear it. We don't, we don't worry about it. You should never have anxiety about it. Don't it affect your dreams or your thoughts or anything else? But we live in a spiritual world and we need to understand that. You know, the, the Bible says that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against spiritual, spiritual powers and authorities in, in the heavenly realms. We need to understand that. But we're on the winning side. Amen? Amen. The victory is ours. And Jesus, so discerning of spirits is when, and, and I've certainly had this in my own life, where, where, where you meet someone and you just know straight away there's something something's not right there's something wrong there's something about that person there's something going on in the in, in on the world anyone else ever had that and you just, and that's the discerning of spirits something spiritually and the person may themselves may not be aware of, of everything that spiritually is going on in the world but that's what the discerning of spirits is remember we need to be asking god for these gifts because he wants us to operate in operate in these time's going so quick <laughs> praise god but we'll get through it. i think and then then Paul talks about what we often describe as the utterance gifts, a group of three. So that's prophecy, different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. Tongues is, is, is a heavenly language that that, you know, as Pentecostals we understand this, a heavenly language that, that, that we can speak. Or sometimes people speak actually other different the word tongues, it literally means languages. You can't think what's what's the tongues all about? Okay, it just means languages. I don't really know why they not just describe it as languages. It would actually make more more sense because that's what the word that's what the Greek word literally means, <laughs> languages. Okay. Well, some, you know, and I've, you know, I have have not experienced that myself, but I, but I know of people who've done that, and they've, you know, God's given them a word, and they've spoken to someone in another language, in a language they didn't know themselves. that happens in Acts chapter two, doesn't it? And 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 Peter does Acts three. So Peter does this incredible discourse um, after the Holy Spirit has come at Pentecost, and and then it says they were all speaking different different languages, and the people would come like from all around the area, in different countries, and they could all understand what each other was saying. Because by the, by the Holy Spirit, they were able to speak in different languages and talk about God in different languages. So that's kind of what different kind of tongues is. Sometimes there's, there's a gift of in, interpreting what those tongues are, and, and, and that happens. Amen. And there's also the, the, the gift of prophecy. Now, uh, this is my view as a pastor. I believe this is right. The, the time of the Old Testament style of prophets is over. And I think as Christians, we totally need to we need to grasp this, this principle because there's a lot of confusion uh, I've seen <laughs> over the years, you get a lot of confusion on Facebook and other places about all this stuff. The time of Old Testament prophets is, is done and dusted. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus fulfilled that. And, you know, so that kind of like, that whole kind of like doom and gloom uh, type of prophecy, uh, do I believe that's for today? Well, certainly not in the same way it was not in the Old Testament. Remember, the Old Testament prophets were all about, they had to preach law and they had to preach judgment because that's all there was, right? They were under a different covenant. They weren't, they weren't under grace, the same covenant that we're under in the, New, in the New Testament. So they had to kind of preach judgment and gloom and turn to your ways or are you are going to die? Because that was a reality. Whereas now we're under the reality of the cross. So, so they are kind of the old style prophets, if I can call them that, you know, of Elijah and Isaiah and Jeremiah, who, who are legends you know, in a biblical sense. But that, that era of that type of prophet, I would say, is, is over. And John the Baptist was kind of the last the last of those. And Jesus, Jesus makes that very, very clear because he says, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. And when you kind of hear that statement, you think, well, what in the world does that mean? And what I would say, what that means is because this is like the. the John the Baptist was like closing the chapter on the Old Testament. You know, the Old Testament we have that ends at Malachi and the New Testament starts at Matthew. John the Baptist was like the last of the old prophets, preparing the, prayer the way for the Lord. It's like, there's is a, is a new person coming, there's a new covenant coming. You know, and John the Baptist is very clear. He said, I don't, I'm not even worthy to untie, untie his sandals. But here here comes the, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's what John the Baptist said about Jesus. So Jesus then makes that statement, you know, that the least in the kingdom of heaven. So for us as believers, even the least, not any of us are least, but you know what I mean. Jesus is making a point. Even if, if it's the least of us as believers, we're greater than John the Baptist because he was kind of closing the old covenant, didn't have the new covenant that we that we have. So it makes sense. Okay? So it's really important we understand that. But prophecy absolutely has a, has a place, and whether it's prophesying into other people's lives and there are people that have a specific gift of prophecy which can be speaking sometimes over nations and over, over over situations and that's and that's awesome that's awesome as well so I encourage you to to seek God for that gift speaking prophetically in, into other people's lives is so 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 powerful even in our engine room this morning we had some we had some kind of some words and some 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 pictures when God kind of gives you a, a vision or just an image in your head. Of what's going on in somebody's, in somebody's world. And it's so, so, so powerful. Amen. So I'd encourage you to seek God for those gifts. Amen. Then we talk about the power gifts. We will finish soon, so don't worry. But about the power gifts. Which are the gifts of faith, the gifts of healing, and the working of miracles. Amen. You know, as believers, we should all have faith. Right? Everyone agree. Right? And And... This is not about like just bigging up your faith, although you definitely can encourage yourself in faith and stir yourself up in your faith, but it's also true that if you have faith as small as the mustard seed, you know, Jesus said, you go and speak to this mountain, it'll be cast into the sea. So it's not about making yourself have more faith, although, like I said, we can encourage ourselves in our faith and stir our faith. That's well, why testimony is always great because they stir our faith, right? But what this is talking about is a specific gift of faith. Jesus is in this all the time, where he had which has had great faith for situations now it's also true that when people were healed that they were operating in their own faith jesus said said to people over and over and over again it's your faith that's healed you he didn't say my faith he didn't say god's faith he didn't say the holy spirit's faith he said it's your faith has healed you so of course there's an element in you know our own position on this but jesus very much operated in a gift of faith he had no doubt that when he prayed to people they would be healed though the person was having faith the situation as well yes but jesus had no doubt when when you see this point where Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead in, in the book of Luke. what's was recorded in Luke. And, and Jesus, it's actually quite funny, I think, the way Jesus says it. He almost like says a token prayer, which, which doesn't really sound like the sort of thing Jesus would do. But he basically, and you'd have to look this up yourself when you've got time, but he basically almost does a token prayer. He's like, God, I know you're going to raise him from the dead. I'm just he literally says, I'm, I'm just saying this for the benefit of everybody listening. Because Jesus had no doubt in his heart whatsoever that Lazarus would be raised from the dead. It's almost like, well, I'm just going to say this prayer like for everyone's benefit, everyone's benefit here. Because he knew in his heart what was going to happen. He had total faith that when he died, that he was going to rise again. Amen? And you see the early, the, the, the early apostles and Peter, James, and John operating in the gift of faith over and over again. In the book of Acts, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ. And Nazareth, rise up and walk. That's a gift, that's a gift of faith. Amen? And gifts of healing and working miracles go very much hand in hand. You couldn't probably have the gift of healing without the gift of faith. I mean, these things very much operate together. But God wants us all to be operating these gifts. I, I really believe that. This isn't just for leaders. Amen. So let's be seeking God for those gifts. And, and this stuff, this kind of stuff, that needs to be unpacked more. If you want to know more, Steve, Steve's Connect Group is great for this. If you want to talk more about this, if you want to talk more about this stuff, because some of this doesn't need to be unpacked very more because we're really just skimming over this, right? 1 Corinthians 12, verse 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So God wants us all to have this same manifestation of gifts for the common good of the church. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are a manifestation of the Spirit of grace operating through our our lives. You know, 1 Corinthians 12, and Paul said, to one is given, he was talking about, to one is given this gift. He was actually, and sometimes we can think, well, that just means, well, one per, only one person can have that gift, only one person can have another gift. And that, that's a misunderstanding of what Paul was saying. Because what he was doing there, he was addressing the chaos of the Corinthian church gatherings. And this was a real issue <laughs> in the early church, is that a lot of churches, there was just total chaos. and And... You know, people couldn't hear each other speaking and it was hard to hear the preacher speaking because everyone was just like talking over each other and all that kind of stuff. So it was just like very, very chaotic. And Paul's like, I need to bring some, you know, as God's asking me, to bring some order into these situations. So when he said to one is given this and to one is given that, what he was actually doing is encouraging everything to be done decently and in order. Does that make sense? He wasn't just saying, well, this one person has this one gift and this one person has this one gift. He's just saying this should be done in an orderly, orderly way. You know, on a practical level, if you think about a uh, kind of DIY, um, if you have to be a, do a bit of DIY, then you need the right tool for the right job, right? If you if you have a drill, anyone do a bit of DIY? Anyone? Do, you do a bit of DIY, dear? No. It's a good job I know what I'm doing, sort of. <laughs> anyway, but if you've got something like a drill, for example, it's no point using a drill to, to knock in a nail, Right? you might have a bit of success with it, but you'll probably ruin your drill, and probably the nail will probably be bent and wrecked it as well. It's not, it's not going to work, right? You know, if you, use a, if you try and use a screwdriver to, kind of, to try and cut a bit of wood in half, it's not going to work, right? You need, you, need, you need a saw, right? This is simplistic stuff, but this is reality, right? Because different tools do different jobs. And this is the same with the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That there's, always, there's always a tool from the Holy Spirit to get the job done. Amen? So, uh, and we talked about this, I don't know if anyone remembers, but we talked about this right through lockdown when we were doing our Sunday night, what do we call it, Sunday night live, wasn't it? Um, remember that Sunday night local we were doing stuff on YouTube and those Sundays days of COVID. But we talked a lot about this, about, about getting the right job, uh, the right tool to get the job done. So our responsibility, if we want to kind of use this example of them all being tools, keep this analogy going, our responsibility as believers is to keep that tool bag that God has given us close by and to put our hand in when we need a spiritual tool say, God, in this situation, I need a word of wisdom that, that we've got that tool bag with. and say, God, right now, please give me a word of wisdom. I want to operate in that gift. I need that. I need to speak to the situation. I need, I need a word of wisdom from you. Does that make sense? So we can kind of demystify all this stuff because it can seem all mysterious and strange and what's all that about. Let's demystify all this stuff. These are just tools that God wants to give you to help you in certain situations. Amen. Now, as we bring this to a close, it's important to talk about this. Well, kind of how does this work on, on, on a church level? Firstly, in terms of Sundays, and there are people who do give, give words of wisdom and words of knowledge and, and other things. If God's giving you a word or a picture and you believe it's for the church, please come and share that with myself and Wendy. I'm, I'm serious. Please come and do that. It's a very, very safe, safe place. Now, I'm sure you'd, um, I'm sure you'd agree that we wouldn't be good, being good pastors, or which literally means shepherds. What the part, word "pastor" literally means—that we wouldn't be good shepherds if we just let anybody take the microphone. I hope you can all agree with that. That would actually be terrible shepherding. Everyone agree, right? That would be, that would be poor shepherding. Because, because but it could cause damage to the flock. Because they could literally say anything. I don't know who the person is. They could say it. Um, and you know, it wouldn't be great, right? So, so it's, it's important to kind of protect the microphone, if I can put it in that way, without that, that sounding a bit odd. But you know what I mean? But that's just being good shepherding, okay? So please come and share it with us. And if we, if we feel it was right and, and the Holy Spirit, you know, we bear witness with that through the Holy Spirit, then let's then, then share that. So There's a great outworking of that. Let's, let's be bold in that. Amen? And again, it's not it's not just for leaders. I'd encourage you to step out if God's given you a word or a picture, and you believe it's It may just be for yourself. It says, "Let us bless yourself." But if you believe it's for the genuinely believe it's for the church, come and share it, share it with myself and Wendy. Let's share that with the church. Connect groups are a great way of doing this. I'd encourage you, you know, all to be in a connect group as I always do. But it's a great way of this of operating operating in the gifts. Amen. Okay, so that's kind of just slight like practical practical aspects of, of church but we want to be a church that very much operates in this we're a Pentecostal church we understand the outworking of the Holy Spirit we want to operate in the gifts that he's given us amen you know gifts uh, are not useful the tools if we're going to call them tools the tools are not useful unless they're utilised right there's no point in having a shed full of tools right everyone else got that every, every man seems to have a shed full of pointless tools that they hardly ever use right so maybe that's just me okay but tools are not useful unless they're used right is that true or not right they're not useful unless they're actually utilised and that's the same with the gifts of the Spirit Let's operate in them. Use these tools that God's given us. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11. All these are the work of the one and the same spirit. He distributes them to each one just as he determines. So God will give us the right tool for the job. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31 tells us to says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. To eagerly desire after these. To be passionate about that. To desire the, these gifts that God desires to give us. Amen? If you're praying for someone, ask God for the gift of faith. For that situation. Amen? You see a miracle in a situation, whether it's for your own life or somebody else's life. Encourage, uh, sorry, ask God for the gift of the work and miracles in that situation. Amen. Earnestly desire the best gift for the job, the best tool for the job. We just need to ask Him. You know, the reality is, if we don't ask, we don't get. Right? Is that true or not? <laughs> that's true in every sense, isn't it? But in a spiritual sense, that's true as well. If you don't ask, you don't get. So let's eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. God. This has been handed, handed a note, which wasn't actually stop, which wasn't stop talking. So I'm glad it wasn't stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> that's sometimes the notes I get. Anyway, no, was to say that when <laughs> I it. Uh, so it says that Wendy's Connect group is teaching on the Holy Spirit. So Wendy's uh, Ladies Connect, which meets on Thursday every other Thursday, is currently teaching on the Holy Spirit. So that's doing loads on it. I know Steve, your group does loads on the Holy Spirit, etc. So. Yeah, I encourage you find find out more. Let's operate in His gifts. Let's, let's step out in boldness. Amen. Let's all just pray. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord and, and Lord, we want to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Lord, we want the Holy Spirit, Lord, to operate in our lives. We thank you, Lord, the Holy Spirit, Lord Himself is a gift to us. We thank you for that, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, that, Lord, that the Holy Spirit, Lord, will outwork in our lives. Lord, we understand, that, Lord, that we are spiritual people. Lord, we've been bought at a price. The Holy Spirit dwells within us. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you'll just produce the fruit of the Spirit in us. Lord, we want to be different to the world. Lord, we know our sinful nature's been dealt with, but we don't want to still be struggling with this stuff. Lord, we want to live free, Lord God. Lord, I pray you produce love and joy and peace and patience and all those other things I pray you'll produce within us, Lord God. Lord, they won't be dependent on circumstances, but they'll be dependent on you and what you desire to do in us. Lord, change our character. Lord, make us more like you. Do whatever you need to do in us, Lord God. Change us, change change our thinking. Lord, make us new, I pray in Jesus' name. Lord, and I pray, Lord, in the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, that we'll be a church, Lord, where we're a body of believers, Lord, is operating in those gifts. Lord, that we eagerly desire, as Paul encourages us to do, to eagerly desire them, Lord God. Lord, that we're operating in words of wisdom and, and, and gifts of healing and the gifts of miracles and, and prophecy and words of knowledge and discerning of, of different spirits, Lord God. Lord, that we we'll operate in those gifts. Lord, you would just use us for your purposes and your glory. We don't want to do things in our own strength. Lord, we know we can do all things through you who strengthens us. Lord, we don't want to do things in our own strength, our own wisdom, and our own abilities. Lord, we want, Lord, to be empowered and equipped by you and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need you to guide us and to lead us. Lord, to speak into our own lives. Lord, use us to speak into other people's lives, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We want to use those tools that you've given us. Lord, to so produce the fruit in us. Lord, produce those tools in us. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Amen.